Welcome to Love Rules, the radio ministry of Roxbury Presbyterian Church in Boston. My mom, Liz Walker, was Boston's first African-American television news anchor, but her most important job is what she does right now at RPC, preaching the good news about God's love. The Bible says, above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. How does that work? Join my mom now as she offers us Love Rules from Roxbury Presbyterian Church. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Love Rules. Today's message, what did you expect? Our text is from the Gospel of Matthew, the 11th chapter, the 2nd through 6th verses. When John, who was in prison, heard about the deeds of the Messiah, he sent his disciples to ask him, Are you the one who is to come, or should we expect someone else? Jesus replied, Go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. What did you expect? Are you the one who is to come, or are we to wait for another? This is a stunning and disturbing question that's coming from John the Baptist. If anyone should be confident and comfortable with, with any news about this young prophet who is taking the Galilean countryside by storm, it should be John. After all, the focus of John's entire ministry has been to point the world to the arrival of God's salvation. Prepare ye the way of the Lord. John has already baptized Jesus. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He was there beside the Jordan when the heavens opened up and the Spirit of God descended like a dove, lighting on Jesus as the voice from heaven proclaimed, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. But now, John's only question is, Are you the one who is to come, or are we to wait for another? What could have happened to the Baptist that he would ask such a question? Has he lost his mind? Has he been brainwashed? What has caused such misgiving, such reluctance? John is in prison. He's in dire straits. He has publicly called out the king for committing adultery with his brother's wife. Herod, as you know, had John arrested, and now his future is bleak. I imagine if there's one place that can really change your perspective, it's got to be prison. If you, if you ever were thrown into the despair of darkness, it would have to be somewhere like behind bars, locked up and separated from everything familiar. I am haunted by the story that came out many, many months ago out of Prairie View, Texas, the young woman, Sandra Bland, who reportedly committed suicide in jail after being arrested for a petty traffic violation. She, she went to Texas for a new job and ended up in jail. And then she was dead. John's entire life was devoted to preaching the good news. He was a determined evangelist, a disciplined man of God. But he ended up in jail, facing death. John had been obedient to God. He had done everything he was supposed to do. He was not asking for, for much, but maybe just a little shack on the Jordan where he could just pray and think and, and, and speak to God and, and preach. But prison? Couldn't Jesus help him out? 
Jesus was supposed to change everything. He was the Messiah, the king, who would bring the whole world to a new kind of life, and those who sinned would be condemned to the fiery furnace of hell. That means that Herod should be in jail, not John the Baptist. Perhaps in this moment, John recognizes he's fallen into the gap that we can all fall victim to, that that big, big, big gap between expectations and reality. That is a sad and often dangerous place to find yourself. Much of life's sorrow grows in that gap. Much of life's pain comes out of it. I should have been richer and wiser. I I should have made this marriage work. This job is not what I thought it would be. This life should have worked out better by now. It's a common malady. We see it all the time, not only in individuals, but in whole communities. In the secular world, psychologists will tell us we need to learn to manage our expectations, try to figure out in advance what can realistically be achieved in order to prevent disappointment. But what should we do when the problem is our expectation of Jesus? Are you the one who is to come or are we to wait for another? John the Baptist had preached about a kingdom of power and justice and Jesus' acts are of mercy and healing. And now John wastes away in a prison. If God is a God of action, isn't he supposed to act now? Preacher author Barbara Brown Taylor, who is my favorite, calls this John's Calvary. This is John's moment, like Jesus is on the cross, of wondering if he's been forsaken, if the one for whom he has waited all this time has turned out to be an imposter, not the Messiah at all, but an idealistic dreamer whom the world's going to swat down like a gnat. I remember when my dearest childhood friend got sick suddenly. Her name was Debbie. And she was back home in Little Rock, and I heard she was sick, and I knew she'd get better. I knew that our prayers would bring her through. I I got on a plane and went down to Little Rock. This wasn't too long ago, because I knew Debbie would come through. She was only in her 50s. She had such a zest for life. She was a caretaker for all her family. She was a good person. She'd done everything she was supposed to do. Christians don't like to admit it. But sometimes we have manufactured expectations, these constructs of what Jesus is supposed to do for us. We want him to save who we want to be saved when we want them saved. Now, Debbie was innocent. Jesus, you're supposed to save the innocent and punish the guilty. There are plenty of guilty folks you could take out. I couldn't believe that Debbie's elderly father, who had just buried her brother, would now have to suffer so. Debbie's pastor preached this wonderful sermon on Job, and he picks it up after Job has asked why he suffers. His wife has told him to curse God and die. His friends have weighed in with their various arguments, but God begins to speak, and God says, Brace yourself like a man, and I will question you. Would you discredit my justice? Would you condemn me to justify yourself? Do you have an arm like God's? Can your voice thunder like his? In other words, who are you And what were you expecting? I'm God. And since I am God, all-knowing, all-seeing, almighty, I get to run this. (laughs) My thoughts are not your thoughts, and neither are your ways my ways. And, And guess what? I don't have to explain it to you. We think of God as our 
personal magician who can pull rabbits out of the hats that we choose. Or we think of him as a security guard who comes at our beck and call. We want this faith walk to work in a reasonable, predictable way for us. I call it the cause and effect walk. If I do everything this way with my marriage, my family, my tithing, then I'll be blessed in this way. I'll claim that blessing. I'm going to get what I want. But that is not necessarily the way it works. It may work that way sometimes, but it doesn't work that way all the time. Sometimes you can pray and your prayers will be answered in incredible ways. I tell the story of a young man who came to our church and he gave a testimony about being addicted to heroin. And at the very end of his rope, this man says he prayed for deliverance and it came just like that. Permanently, his addiction was ended. Now, I'd put that under the category of miracle. I work enough with people who have addictions to know it. It doesn't happen that way. So sometimes we do experience miracles. I believe in miracles. But sometimes we pray for Jesus to bring that prodigal child back and the child doesn't come. And sometimes we ask for healing and the healing doesn't happen. What are we to do? I am not here to offer you a formula. There is no equation. There is no six-step plan that explains this journey of faith down to each step. Sometimes we, we, we are disappointed. But the best anecdote for disappointment in God is to have a better understanding of God's will in our lives. Because many of us see, we live in this theology that God, your will be done as I will. But remember, the Lord's prayer goes, thy will be done. Not my will, but thy will. Our job is to work on having a deeper relationship with Jesus, having a, a deeper connection to Jesus so that whatever God's will is, it works for us. You see, Jesus didn't come to earth to obey John the Baptist. Jesus didn't come to earth because of, of, of trying to fix John the Baptist's will. Jesus came to earth to do the will of the one who sent him. God is bigger than we know. God's plan is greater than we know. We, we will never, never on this side of heaven understand fully all of God's works. We have to trust him. We have to trust him. It's, it's a customized plan. It's a universal plan. It's a good plan. And even if you don't understand it, just trust it. It's the sovereign control that God exercises right now over the universe and over you. God says, I've got a lot going on. You are down here trying to make me fit into your will. Don't get it twisted. You have to learn how to fit in my. John 6, 40. And this is the will of the one who sent me, that everyone who sees the Son and believes the Son may have everlasting life. We are not in this for the moment. We are in this for the long haul eternity. That's something that we can't even conceive, but that is what God promises. And so our best thing is to just trust God, get to know God, 
read your Bible. I, I'm telling you, I just started reading my Bible at around, well, 50, and I'm around, well, I'm past 50. And the more I read, the closer I grow to God. And, and I've got to tell you, the more you understand God's plan is an eternal plan, then you know that God will show up the way God wants to. And you just have to trust that. But here's the good news. Don't limit God. And you will see God in new surprising ways. And you will learn to expect the unexpected. Be blessed, everybody. Thank you for tuning in. Roxbury Presbyterian Church is located at 328 Warren Street, right in the heart of Roxbury. Come worship with us on Sundays at 11 a.m. This is a listener-supported program. We invite you to partner with us and learn the many ways that love rules. Visit us on our website, RoxburyPresbyterianChurch.org, or call us at 617-445-2116. Love will reign if you let love